0: The stability of the nation's electrical grid depends in part on large power transformers, LPTs, the size of small houses. These transformers are in short supply and they take a long time to build. The Government Accountability Office has found the Energy Department could help secure this important link in the electricity supply chain. We get more now from the GAO's Director of Natural Resources and Environment Issues, Frank Rusko. Mr. Rusko, good to have you back.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: And these large power transformers, most people have never laid eyes on one. They're, I guess, big gray things that sit in those nests of fenced off areas you see sometimes by railroad tracks where the grid kind of comes together and goes back out again, best way I can describe it. What does the energy department have to do with these privately owned and operated pieces of equipment?
1: These large power transformers are critical for the safe and reliable functioning of the electrical grid. And DOE has a lot to do with both studying how reliable and and resilient the grid is and taking steps to promote resilience. As you know, the grid was built over many, many years by literally hundreds of small utilities, and it's all pieced together and there's many moving parts. And so it's essential that there be some central attention paid to how it's functioning.
0: And these devices, and really they are the size of a cabin, I mean, if they were hollow, you could live in one, big gray painted steel boxes. What do they do? They take the long distance transmission lines that are something like 15,000 volts and step them down for voltage for local distribution? That's
1: primarily what happens, yes. They, they can either step power up or down. So what typically happens is power is produced a long ways away from where it's usually consumed, say someone's house, and they'll bring it in transmission lines, which, as you say, are very high voltage, but you can't use that in your house. You have to get it down to 110 or 220 for your dryer. And so these large transformers step down the power from the transmission lines into a usable form. Usable level.
0: And do they just sit there or do they deteriorate or require maintenance and replacement from time to time?
1: Yeah, they last a long time, but they require some maintenance and care. Basically, if you're taking high voltage power and stepping it down to a level that that you can use it, you're creating a lot of heat. So these machines are getting very hot and they have to have coolant systems. So they typically are filled with some kind of oil or something that, that circulates around. They sometimes have air cooling systems. And so these things can go wrong and need maintenance. Or what we've seen in recent times is uh, people have attacked them, you know, shoot a hole in them with a rifle. And, you know, you drain the coolant and all of a sudden you've got a big problem.
0: Right. And the House and Senate subcommittees on energy and water development asked for this report. What was their concern about? power transformers of all things.
1: You know, these large power transformers are so large, and there's so many different designs, and each individual utility may have no spares on hand. So if one is damaged, you know, it can really cause problems with reliability in the power system. And so originally, Congress had tasked DOE with identifying the problem and trying to determine whether it made sense to have a strategic reserve of These large power transformers, in case something went wrong with multiple transformers, could cause a major outage. So, really, one of the things that DOE found is that these transformers are of so many different designs, having been put in place by different utilities over a long period of time, that you can't just have a reserve of a generic transformer. It has to be able to fit into a specific system. And so, Congress asked DOE to study it and come up with some solutions.
0: We are speaking with Frank Rusco, Director of Natural Resources and Environment Issues at the GAO. And what had they done? What did you find?
1: Yes, DOE has identified some issues and he among them are real limits in the supply chain. So if you go back to 2020, more than 80% of the transformers that, that were in operation had been purchased from foreign countries. The biggest countries that we import These large transformers from are Canada and Mexico. They're allies. We also buy them from China. And there's only a few producers of transformers domestically. And both DOE and Commerce has recognized this as a potential vulnerability for, you know, security reasons. So they identified that there's these problems with supply chain. It takes longer and longer to build these things in recent years. So one of the things that we've asked DOE is to come up with a plan to address some of these. There are things with labor uh, needs to be trained to be able to do this work. There are issues of just specific components. Very few people produce uh, special steel that goes into them. And DOE can take some steps to help alleviate some of these uh, supply chain
0: issues. What steps could they take?
1: Well, one thing is identifying where everything is and what condition all of these transformers are in. And then working with utilities to try to make orders and have parts that are on order come in at a, at a reasonable amount of time. Another thing that DOE can do is coordinate with smaller utilities that have problems with maintaining, you know, enough of, uh, of supply of parts. So if you take a small utility and, you know, one of these large transformers, is very expensive. So they're basically not going to buy another one until the ones that they have are near the end of their life. And if you go to a big utility, they may have some spares sitting around and they have less of a problem. But DOE needs to work to try to coordinate among the smaller utilities and try to identify where are their spare transformers in the country, Are they close enough that one could be put into use at a small utility if necessary? And that's another thing they can do.
0: And just a question about these devices, which concerns me on the China question, if we have them from China, is there a communication electronics control component to them such that they can be accessed by the Internet? And then you can imagine what the possibilities there are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is a concern that... Most of these large transformers will be connected to industrial control systems that are connected to the Internet. And so it's definitely important to make sure that when these things are being built, there aren't backdoors put into those systems or vulnerabilities that we don't know about.
0: And what does DOE say to these recommendations to get started on this kind of inventory survey and then looking at some of the supply issues?
1: DOE said that they're doing a lot of this stuff, but they have not yet put their efforts into a plan to actually achieve a goal. So that's what we're asking. They've done a lot of work to identify the problem, but what they really need to do is implement a plan, work with the utilities and come up with a solution that'll that'll help.
0: And is there a sense that the grid infrastructure is old in this country? I mean, sometimes you stand on a street corner and you look up at 77 wires. That's literally hanging from some pole crossing the street and going this way and that. It looks really old. And the grid, you don't see as much. But are these things tending to be on the aging side and that we may have some kind of a future transmission crisis if we don't get to the bottom of these big transformers?
1: There are a lot of very old transformers in operation, and there's a wide range. So, as the the demand and supply of electricity has grown, obviously they put in new equipment, and then when when the old equipment wears out, they replace it. So, there's is equipment of all different vintages on the system, but some of it is very old, and some of it is more vulnerable than others. The real risk is that you have multiple multiple transformers going out at once, and then you'd have a big potentially region-wide issue.
0: And probably some of the really old ones might have been made in America. There used to be a company called Westinghouse. I'm not sure they even exist anymore, but was in the power transmission, power generation business. General Electric maybe made them, I don't know, but most assuredly none of them do now. <laughs> and so if those old domestic ones failed, there would be a compatibility problem and the utility would be hard-pressed to somehow retrofit.
1: I mean, at this point, there are so many different types of transformer that any transformer that is going to need to be replaced is going to be a special order with specifications for the particular use that, it, that it's put to by, by a utility.
0: Yeah, it's not 17,000 volts in on these two terminals and 2,000 volts out on those two.
1: No, it's unique to, you know, almost every application. So it's sure. that the lack of standardization is is a problem, and you can't really address that. It would be too expensive to sort of apl- replace that. You could think about standards going forward, and right. that's another thing that DOE may want to do.
0: Yeah, know, my Radio too. Shack mind here. Frank Rusco is Director of Natural Resources and Environment Issues at the GAO. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure.
0: And find this interview along with a link to his report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Plug into the Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees, joined Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to share how his upbringing in rural Alabama eventually propelled him to the forefront of thousands of union members, raising a collective voice. After years of leadership with both the largest federal employee union and as a pastor, Everett Kelly reflects on his deep-rooted values of integrity and hard work.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today I'm joined by Mr. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees. Everett, welcome and thank you for being here.
3: Shane, thank you. It's
2: a as mine. You first joined AFGE in nineteen eighty one during what eventually became your thirty years of service at Anniston Army Depot. We're now more than forty years past nineteen eighty one, and you've been the Union's national president since twenty twenty. How's your decades long involvement with AFGE impacted the way you view your role now as the union's leader?
3: The time that I spent as local president, I simultaneously spent that same time as a pastor in Alabama. I like to say that this was my training ground because as I was entering into the role of unionism, I was also entering into ministry. And so I see my role even as the union leader, as ministry. It's never an understatement because this is what I believe. I believe that if you love people and show people that you love them, people will follow you. My business is in the business of growing people, uh, and that's what I do. And I, and I think that my training as a pastor and as a union uh, leader has given me the ability to really you know, uh, grow people, because I feel like that, you know, it's my responsibility, both as a union leader and as a pastor, to ensure that people have a liberal wage. It's also uh, my responsibility to ensure that people are treated fair with dignity and respect on the job. And I think that goes in both uh, arenas. So, so I've seen this, you know, as ministry, as I've grown through the four decades of leading people.
2: Putting those two together is amazing. AFGE handles a massive array of issues and topics of importance to feds across many departments and agencies. What is it like being at the forefront of all those moving parts, and how do you manage it all?
3: Well, first of all, let me give kudos to my staff, okay, Uh, because it's just no way that I could manage all of this work and all the moving parts by myself. But I have an excellent staff that always make sure that I'm prepared and that I'm ready. But it's exciting. It's exciting to be out in the forefront, you know, uh, bringing people to the realization that they have something to fight for. But again, I cannot, and please understand when I say I cannot, it's, it's, it's what I truly believe. I cannot do it without a good, strong staff. Uh, and I tell anybody that, but I enjoy fighting for the cause. I enjoy standing in front of a group of ALG members, calling them to action, and then standing back and watching that action come to fruition, because I know that I'm not the one that's doing it. Okay? They are the one that's doing it. I'm merely casting a vision, right? And I enjoy casting a vision and then watching a vision come to fruition. And it's the staff and the members that get that done.
2: As CEO at at WEPA, I completely and totally understand that we rely them. It's not Absolutely. just nice to have, we rely on them. Absolutely. That. As AFGE president, you often speak at union rallies and other events widely attended by federal employees. What's it like to experience that direct connection to employees? And how does that influence your leadership
3: style? You know, that gets me excited, okay? To be standing in front of a group of AFGE leaders gets me excited. To hear the words, who are we? And the chance that come back that says AFGE gets me excited. It gets my motor uh, running, if you will. And it's exciting to look at them and see the motivation in their faces when they're fighting for a cause. And and, and all of us come together and fight uh, in solidarity, fight as one, raise one voice. You can't explain the feeling. You just know that it's right. You know, I just know that it's right when I'm standing there and I feel this and I never fail to say thank you again, because I'm the one that merely cast division. The they are the ones that get the work done. And so when I see them out there ready to go and that call to action goes out, and then I see them really begin to march on that uh, initiative. It's an energy that I cannot explain.
2: I can explain it. I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> um, the Describe how your personal background and upbringing folds into how you function as a leader.
3: You know, understanding that I was born in the deep south. I was born in a little small town in Goodwater, Alabama, population 1,292 today. Born to parents that, and I hope I don't offend anybody, and i, I got to quit saying this, but but I was born to a set of parents that believed and trusted in God. And that began to establish who I was. I began to trust God myself in everything that I do. I I trust God even in this situation as a union leader, because my parents taught me to believe in uh, the Bible. And with that came, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. In other words, treat people right. Treat people with respect, right? Do what's right. It taught me, you know, about integrity, right? It taught me about being honest, you know, and that's what's needed in the role of a leader of this union. It, it, it's, it's needed. Uh, and, you know, I try to portray that. I try to portray a person of honesty and a person of integrity. And so being in the deep South, you know, you, you, you just learn those things. And that's what has helped me uh, throughout my path as a union leader. And it's always nice, that whole approach, because you don't have
2: Multiple approaches with different people or different sets of different tasks, different energy. It's, it's always straightforward, yes. honest, here's the truth. Yes. And it's, it's easy. Yes, right? yes. It's a lot easier than having multiple personas. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What's one piece of advice, if you could go back and tell yourself when you were starting your career?
3: You know, I don't know you asked for one, but I'm, I'm going to have to elaborate on two, yeah, if that's yeah. okay. Number one, I would explain the urgency of integrity a lot sooner than what I did, right? Because to me, integrity is not necessarily what you see others do or what others see you do, but integrity to me is what you do even when no one is looking. And so I I would really begin to stress that importance more so at an earlier state in my leadership role rather than The latter part, okay? I I begin to stress that more now, but I wish I had began to do that more at the earlier states in my uh, role. Secondly, I would tell myself to always, and I'm going back to my roots, always work hard and don't ever accept no as an answer, right? Because I just believe that if you want it bad enough, if you want to achieve it, you can it's all about the amount of work you put into it, right? And the in the amount of faith you have that it can be accomplished. So when I look at AFGE and its membership and where we were four or five years ago and where we are today, that's a reminder that you can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it and work hard enough.
2: And one question that's always kind of interesting at at the end of our time together is is there one person, you mentioned your parents before, mm-hmm. um, is there one person or maybe more than one who really inspired you when you were younger that you might even think back on
3: today? It was my grandmother, you know, with the understanding that when and when I was born, right, as I said, I was born in the Deep South. My father worked extremely hard. We didn't have a whole lot. You know, my, I had 12 siblings. And so when I was born, I was very sick. As a matter of fact, the doctor said I wouldn't live to be 16 years old. The doctor said I wouldn't ever hold a job. But my grandmother would always teach me how to pray. And she taught me about faith. And it is prayer and faith that has allowed me to be standing here today. Suppose I've been dead 50 years ago, but I'm 66 years old now. And it's all because of my faith